podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for another episode of Bosco's Boys. Before we get started, uh, massive announcement. Drink more Manhattan Brewing Company. Drink their beer. is the best beer in the world. As I've been saying for a while now, if your local liquor store does not have Manhattan Brewing Company four-packs, then you need to tell them to get them. Be polite, but be stern. Every time you go, just say something. Hey, why don't you have this? Hey, you know I'd really like this. If you let them know enough, they're going to start carrying it. Also, every time you're in Manhattan, get in there. Like I said, not only do they have you know, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, countless beers on tap, not only can you take four packs to go, not only can you take Crowlers to go, but they all also have a fully stocked bar, signature cocktails, and again, the vibes are always, always top-notch at Manhattan Brewing Company. I think everyone, if, if you have the chance, again, uh, a lot of folks talked about how you know busy it was trying to get into Manhattan right before that 6 o'clock tip. I mean, just take a half day off. You know, spend some time at Manhattan Brewing Company and then get into Bramlage Coliseum uh, with plenty of time uh, for that big Sunflower showdown. So, drink Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, If you're doing dry January, well, it's halfway over. Make sure you're fully stocked in your fridge for, uh, you know, February 1st. Let's get into it. Uh... (laughs) It's been it's it's been a very long time since we've had to talk about a loss. It's been well over a month. Um, I think it was what was it a thirteen game winning streak? Nah, it wasn't thirteen, but like ten game winning streak, whatever it was. Um, and, and it was bound to eventually come to a uh, a loss. Uh, it was eventually going to come to this. Let's start macro and then we will whittle it down um first and foremost uh anyone who was overly melting down about the game again fans are gonna fan they're gonna you know act the way they're gonna act uh but but this was a road game versus a top 20 team tcu was more than capable of uh, kicking anyone's ass in the conference when they're on and their opponents are off, especially uh, in their own gym. Now, it's definitely not a raucous arena or anything like that, but again, when you aren't getting to play in front of your own fans, when you're not getting to play in front of K-State fans, uh, obviously things are going to be a 
little bit tougher. You know, uh, that's <laughs> that's not a shocker at all. Um, so I, I I saw some uh, some stuff that was over the top, but I saw some very valid frustration from K State fans as well. I was very frustrated with the game. Um, we'll we'll get into those here in a moment. Uh, in the realm of what does that mean when you want to talk, uh, you know, Big Twelve race, all that type of stuff. Look, uh, I, I've been saying it. We needed to grab, um, you know, after that three and start, after that four and start, I, I said we had to really get one of those TCU or KU wins. For me to really feel comfortable sitting here talking about how, uh, you know, we're right in the thick of the race or anything like that. You know, I, I think because of the way this season could go with how tough the Big 12 is, I'm not ready to anoint us as part of the race. You know, I, I, I know we're sitting, we're probably going to still be sitting in the top 15, top 20. Um, and we're only a game out, you know, four and one, all that type of stuff. But when you look at, when you look at the quality of the Big 12, um, you have to continue to get some of these big wins. Now, if we turn around and beat KU on Tuesday, and then, uh, for 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 better or worse, um, you have to beat Texas Tech at home on that Saturday. If we get those two wins, I will spend a massive part of the pod you guys listen to a week from today talking about what K-State needs to do to win the Big 12. Because the start to the season has at least opened it up so that you can be part of the conversation if you can pick up some of these wins. Now, I will spend some of the time at the end of the show talking about the game on Tuesday, um, but that's going to be a tall order. That is going to be a very tall order. But, and, and this is where I have hope. I, I think that this team, I believe in Coach Jerome Tang and this coaching staff enough that I don't think what happened on Saturday is then going to cost you the game on Tuesday and then snowball into losing at home in front of what will also be another sold-out crowd um, versus Texas Tech, a, a team that is turning out to be a bad Texas Tech team. So I don't, I'm not too worried about the massive snowball effect, um, but 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 it was a concerning game. Let, let's drill down a little bit into it. I didn't want to believe, and I don't know if this is the case. Ultimately, whenever you have, whenever you're a fan of college sports, you are almost never going to truly know what's going on behind the scenes, and then this, and then fans just project. What I'm about to say is I'm projecting. I don't know truly what was going on. But K-State fans, after that win versus Oklahoma State, were talking about two things. 
the vast majority of fans, even myself included, started already talking about what could happen, what might that atmosphere look like on the following Tuesday for the Sunflower Showdown Part 1. And then all other conversations were surrounding, oh my god, this is a trap game, this is a trap game versus TCU. The reason why I didn't give much credence, I didn't give much much oxygen, at least from my point of view, uh, that TCU was a trap game because it was a road game at a top 20 team. You know, I I I think it is a and it's not it's not some massive issue what I'm about to say isn't it's it's not bigger than that one game but it, but it's very disappointing. If any part of the team and it's human. It is 100% human. It is human nature. But it is disappointing that with as high of regard as we all hold Jerome Tang and this coaching staff, and as high as we hold especially Marquise Noel for how he has played, for the leadership he has shown, for uh, basically saying all the right things in the media. But going from unranked to 11th, getting all this extra media attention you know doing stuff with barstool sports doing a lot of stuff this you know in the lead up to that tcu game with national folks um you would hope that they wouldn't get caught looking ahead or having a motivation issue or having a uh desire issue um and and i don't know i don't know if that's the case but i i only have my eye test to go off of and For large swaths of that game, it didn't look like this team really, I I, I hate saying didn't want to be out there. I mean, that's, because that's obviously not true, but but they said it on the broadcast. The 50-50 balls were not 50-50. You know, you always have had, the, the entire season, you've dealt with, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel both um, at times having a lot of turnovers. But here's the thing. Uh, Marquise Noel went, I mean, aggressively long into the game without any points. And again, at by the end of the game, Marquise Noel getting to 16 uh, with four assists. Keontae Johnson getting to 18 with 9 rebounds. Naquan Tomlin, 8 points with 10 rebounds. And then even Tyke Green getting to 11 points. Um, At first glance, the stat sheet is like, oh, you know, uh, not that bad from some of your key players. But again, you look at it, Keontae Johnson had 7 turnovers. Marquise Noel had 6 turnovers. And, And again... We all knew Marquise Noel could not play at this truly best player in the nation pace that he was. I mean, he was on that pace for four games. Four straight games he was playing like the best point guard in America. Playing like a consensus first team All-American. But he came crashing down pretty hard in that game. And TCU caused fits. 
They are a team that causes a lot of matchup problems for K-State, as we saw. But it should not have crashed that hard. It should not have crashed that hard. And again, when they turned the ball over, they were turning and looking to the referees. They were not getting back on defense. We got absolutely abused in points off turnovers and fast point or uh, in fast break points. I think it was like 33 to 12 on fast break points. It was like 26 to 8 on points off turnovers. It was absolutely disgusting. They were getting out and running all over us. All over K-State. On multiple times they didn't even attempt to stop the ball on these fast breaks. It it was a very poor effort or execution, one of the two, when it comes to the transition defense. And that's something that scares me. Because we've seen all season long turnovers, second and second chance points, and quite frankly, fouling and allowing the other team to get to the free throw line. That those are all things that have haunted K-State despite the 13 and 2 record now. And I think we've been playing with fire for all of Big 12 play. You know, we've either dug ourselves a hole or allowed late comebacks. And we we dug a hole. <laughs> I mean, we, we dug a hole bad and never really made a run at it. You know, it got, I think, within 12 late in the game, TCU had basically called off the dogs. Um, I do not put much weight into that quasi comeback to get it from like 28 down to 12, ultimately losing by 14. I don't put much weight in that at all. Um, and, and if you're going to worry about what this says about what the team is going to do moving forward, um, it showed the blueprint because here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. When you look at the stats, when you look at what TCU did, TCU did not shoot the ball that great. We shot better than them from three point. You know, they were three of nineteen. Three of nineteen from three. We were six of twenty-one. They were 33 of 40 uh, 33 of 71 from the field we were 28 of 65. So again, comparable scoring from the field. But then when you look, they got to the free throw line 19 times, we only got there 7 times. You know, they outscored us by 7 on the free throw line. They got there 12 more times than we did. And then they absolutely dominated inside. I feel like if teams are capable of playing the way TCU did, the blueprint is out there on how to beat K-State. And that's where I'm worried. That's where I'm worried. Because TCU executed that blueprint, but I feel like it's been out there the entire time. I feel like we've been talking about it on this show 
I feel like people who cover K-State basketball closely have talked about it. And now TCU absolutely executed it uh, to a T. Absolutely hounding Marquise Noel with a longer, taller guard who is willing to play defense. Double teaming and harassing Keontae Johnson anytime he gets the ball in the scoring range. And I mean, and we saw what happened. The two combined for 15 turnovers. 15 turnovers. K-State only forced 10 turnovers on the game. You know, uh, 13 turnovers, excuse me. 13, not 15. And again, K-State's a better shooting team. Uh, You know, we've been shooting a lot closer to 40% than 25%. And on a different night, some of those shots, some of those threes go down. You know, Cam Carter, Ofer, Keontae Johnson, Ofer. Marquise Noel, 2 of 7-ish, 2 of 4. Tyke Green, 1 of 2. Desi Sills, 1 of 2. Different nights. Few more of those shots go down. And yes, things change. But the the blueprint now is there. And I... I, I, again, I think they're going to learn from this. But again, it gives you concern when you're staring down the bullet of playing KU and then Iowa State for two of your next three games. Those are unequivocally the best two teams in the conference. Both those teams have the pieces that can make it a very long night. Now, ultimately, I think TCU is the worst matchup for K-State in the conference. I want no part of seeing TCU in Kansas City. I want no part of seeing TCU in the Elite Eight or Final Four, anything like that. After we play TCU in Manhattan, you know, uh, in a month, month and a half, whenever they come to Manhattan, I don't want to see this version of TCU ever again. Uh, But it does give you a, a little bit of worry, like, okay, hey, um, Marquise Noel isn't always going to have the magic. Coach Tang and his staff are not going to just always have the perfect button to push. You know, I, I, and, and here's the thing. I, I don't think that they're going to have to worry about um, possibly looking ahead again. Again, I don't know if that's what happened. Ultimately, uh, everything that I just ranted and raved about Kind of contradicts some of the, they were looking ahead. I, I think we got frustrated. I, I don't think we ever got out of the funk. I don't necessarily think we were looking ahead. Um, ultimately, the more I talk about it, the the more I think back on the game, I, I, I just think that TCU is the worst matchup for us in the Big 12, and we just had an off night, and we just couldn't get out of the funk. But even if they were looking at again, I don't think we're going to have to worry about dealing with that again because, again, you know, we have that game versus KU. The Texas Tech game, which is the lead-in to the Iowa State game on the road, that, that's going to be at home. That's going to be in front of, hopefully, a rabid Bramlage Coliseum again. 
Um, as long as they don't have a lot of bad luck like they have for a lot of games so far and get the Chiefs game scheduled right against it, that would suck. Um, by the time you guys are listening to this, you'll, you'll know if that's the case. But it's going to be a Saturday home game, which will be a great crowd. Um, you're not going to be looking past Iowa State. At least you hope that you're not going to be looking past what is going to be a top 10 Iowa State team playing them on the road um, to look to Florida. I know how important that game will be for Keontae, but you don't look past Iowa State for that. And then, of course, after Florida, you have that KU game again. But again, 5 o'clock game in Bramlage Coliseum versus Florida. Sold out crowd. I don't think you're going to be able to look past that. So I'm hoping we don't run into any any chance for that even to be a talking point. Because it definitely was a talking point on Twitter after the game. I Like I said, the more I think it, think on it, the more I talk about it, as I, I'm on here talking in circles, thinking back on the game, the less likely I think that was truly the case. I just think we just didn't have it. We were in a funk. TCU's that much of a problem. The final thing I'm going to talk about on that TCU game is Eddie Lampkin and what he was able to do, a career high. Now, I kind of, not kind of, I did turn my nose up at the idea of, oh, Eddie Lampkin is going to, you know, just totally eat up against us. He's going to, you know, own us. He had four points the game before. He had only been in double digits three times this entire season before that game. You know, I I was not thinking uh, he was going to just be able to dominate us, uh, quite frankly, because that's not the player he is. He is not a player who is this offensive dynamo. But again, I, I think we saw at some points it was bad strategy, how we handled, uh, you know, screen and goes up at the top of the key involving Eddie Lampkin. I think there were a couple times we were just asleep at the wheel. And just allowed him to just get wide open under the bucket. And then there were a couple times where he did just dominate, you know, our guys trying to guard him who just don't have that girth. You know, I think uh, a couple times Keontae Johnson got switched onto him. And I thought he actually did, ironically enough, the best job of anyone guarding him um, because he got switched onto him quite a bit. And I think it has to do with that girth. I think it has to do with a little bit of that size. Yeah, you're giving up some inches, but Keontae Johnson is the only guy with any sort of comparable strength, pure brute power. So when we see them again, I don't know, whether it's going zone, whether it's having Keontae on him a few times, I don't know. But but that is another thing that's a little concerning. Now let's move on beyond the concern. The Big 12 is a grinder, whether you're looking ahead, whether it just wasn't your night, one of those two things, it was bound to happen in the Big 12. This is truly a meat grinder season, truly a meat grinder season. And, you know, I I saw some of the talking points, hey, I'm glad we got that out of our system before Tuesday. Again, I think that mentality... um, Trying to think of the best way to put it. Ultimately, I I don't I don't buy that. I don't buy there's ever a good time to get out a stinker uh, because you got KU coming around, all that type of shit. I I don't buy into it. Now, 
And I, I think some folks probably won't like what I'm about to say, but we everyone wants to everyone in K State's fan base wants to talk about how oh KU isn't this, KU isn't that. We get mad at you know, 8, 10, only in 6, 10, only talking about KU, all this type of stuff. But that's all we talk about as well. You know, for better or worse, they in this region, when it comes to college basketball, they are the sun and everyone orbits around them. And K-State fans, we don't do a good job uh, proving that statement wrong. And now... Every single year, there's this oversized, overhype of this one singular game on the schedule. And what I'm hoping, regardless of what happens, positive or negative, K-State fans dust themselves off and get back into Bramlage, keep that same energy, and try to keep propelling this program forward when we play Texas Tech. This game is happening earlier in the season than it almost ever has. You know, this is typically mid mid to, you know, back uh, quarter, early half of the back quarter uh, game. This is typically late July, early to mid-February when we're getting them in Bramlage Coliseum. I think this might be one of the earliest games we've had them in Bramlage in over a decade. And... Regardless of what happens, there is so much season to be had. If we pull this win off, not only are we back in the Big 12 race, and with a bullet, win or lose, the Big 12 race, if that's a race we want to compete in, um, win or lose, there is a lot of Big 12 season left to be played. A lot. Um, I, I think if you want to, if, if you want to consider yourself you know, one of the main contenders, I think you have to win it, and I think you have to win uh, home versus Texas Tech. But I'm not going to worry about that. Regardless, if you win it or if you lose, there is so much season left to play. And K-State fans, and, and I'm speaking to the fans here because I sure hope Cam Carter and Naquan Tomlin are not listening to this show. be a waste of their time. Um, you, you can't let this game be more than a 48 hours thing 24 hours leading up to 24 hours leaving it that's fine it is a big rivalry game 100 but the glory of what jerome tang and this team have done is this season is going to go well beyond february this season this team is going to get back to the ncaa tournament after a three-year hiatus This team is going to be more than defined by that one game. As big as it is in this region, as big as it is for K-State fans, which I'm not denying any of that, it can't be more than a 48-hour thing, win or lose. Now, if you look to that game, if you want to start talking about Okay, what needs to happen for us to be successful for the first time since that Big 12 championship season, since that 2019 season? It really begins, and it, no, it does not end, but it does begin with Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. 
We saw what happened versus TCU when those guys are turning the ball over like crazy. And for 36 minutes of the game, 32 minutes, 32 minutes of the game, they're non-factors on offense. You know, we saw exactly what happens and it gets ugly fast. Keontae Johnson needs to show that pure athletic ability, that awesome basketball IQ, and his amazing instincts on the basketball court while protecting the ball. Anytime he gets the ball on the corner and he tries to take a couple steps into the paint, he's going to get hacked. The ball is going to be poked at. You know, it's a, it's almost like a running back when it comes to ball security. Going through the paint, anytime he is getting contested touches, he needs to hold on to the ball. Again, Keontae Johnson has been more than any of us thought he was going to be, but his one Achilles heel the entire season has been on the turnovers he has. Now we're going to need him to have that ball security, have that nose for the rim. And again, we're going to need him to put on put in a real shift on defense and re, excuse me, and rebounding the ball. Because especially rebounding, it's been the Achilles heel this entire season, especially giving up offensive rebounds and second chance points. Last year, everyone is going to remember two totally different teams. You you can't really take anything away from how the game played out in Bramlage last year. But the one thing that is going to be scarring, and again, one of the largest collapses in K-State basketball history happened in Bramlage Coliseum versus the Jayhawks last year. And it was mainly on the back of offensive rebounding and second chance points. So again, two totally different teams. KU has turned over a lot of the roster. We've turned over, what, 93% of the roster. But that is exactly why that game did not end up in the win column for us last year. And it very well could be the reason this year. So Keontae Johnson needs to be dialed in, dialed into 100 on the defensive end because we're going to need him to play defense. We're going to need him to grab rebounds. Now, a lot of folks, and this is, you know, the, I I don't know if this is a fan talking point. I don't know if this is like fan as in our fans, not Jimmy. Um, But you hear it on broadcast sometimes like, oh, you don't want to put one of your best offensive players up against big time defense or play big time defensive matchups because, oh, you don't want them expending all this energy on defense. I'm going to tell you this right now. I will be fine playing Keontae Johnson only 28 or 30 minutes if that means he's going to truly be dialed in and going all out on the boards and on defense because we're going to need it. We are going to need it. So if he needs to get a couple extra breaks, that's fine. Tyke Green, I feel confident enough with what he brings energy-wise and doing the right thing, being assignment sound. 
I have enough confidence in him that I'm fine giving him, you know, 15, 10, 15 minutes in that game. If that means that Keontae Johnson is going to be dialed in, giving it all. When the ball goes up, he's going up there and grabbing that rebound. The next one, of course, Marquise Noel. We saw him take over games in the first four games of Big 12 play. We saw him distributing the ball. We saw him, you know, when it comes to points and assists, doing things that only Steph Curry has ever done. And again, Steph Curry was doing it against, you know, NAIA type schools. You know, it wasn't actually NAIA. They were bad Division I schools. But they weren't top 25 teams. They were not Big 12 teams. And we need that Marquise Noel. Now, he doesn't need to be superhero. He doesn't need to start the game coming out like he's already on a heat check. We need him to be smart. We don't need the sports center top 10, you know, no look, logo three, behind the back alley-oop passes right from the get-go. No. But you also don't want to neuter him. You don't want to take away what makes him special. And I have 100% confidence in Jerome Tang that he's not going to do that. Jerome Tang knows exactly what he needs from Marquise Noel, and that includes allowing Marquise to be Marquise. So you're going to need those two players to step up Get it done on both sides of the floor. Uh, And and again, if that means they're only playing 30 minutes versus the 38, even if it means them playing 25 minutes, we, we, we we need the best that they are on both sides every minute they get. The next thing is who is going to be that third scorer? When's the last time we truly saw Naquan Tomlin go off? I mean, has it happened in Big 12 play? Let me pull up his game log. You know, he had 11 versus West Virginia, 11 versus Texas, 9 versus Baylor, 6 versus Oklahoma State, 8 versus TCU. Had 15 versus Nebraska, 26 versus Radford. Had none versus Baylor. 14 versus Wichita State. Zero versus LSU. So, we have not seen, what, it was 15. 15 versus Nebraska is the best he's done versus a Power 5 opponent. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be Naquan Tomlin in this game. We saw him utterly take over and dominate versus lower levels of competition. I don't know if we're going to see 15, 16 points from Naquan Tomlin. I don't. But what we're going to need from Naquan Tomlin is to be smart, is to play good defense and grab rebounds. Again, I don't have a lot of confidence that you can point to Naquan Tomlin and say he's going to grab you 16 points this game. I don't I, I don't think that's going to be it. I think you're probably going to need someone else to be your number three scorer in this game. But what you're going to need from Naquan Tomlin is to stay out of foul trouble, play assignment sound defense, and grab rebounds. 
Because, and again, anytime you're playing KU in the Big 12, this is going to be a talking point. It's free throw distribution. But we've seen from K-State, K-State is going to allow their opponent to shoot plenty of free throws. It's happened all season long. I'm not saying that referees are good. I'm not saying any of this. I think probably being a referee in college basketball is one of the hardest jobs there are. I think it's next to impossible to truly be good at being a college basketball referee. Again, you have these wide different variations or variances of different athletes on the floor. Um, Massive athletes running, you know, 30 miles an hour. I think it's tough. But we cannot allow KU to get 40 free throws. And here's the thing. If that's the way the game is going to be called, we need to force the issue. We need to force the issue. Ultimately, yes, there are some times where there are just some shitty calls. There are some sham calls, just absolute bullshit that goes against us. But if you're not trying to force the issue on the other side and get to the free throw line yourself, uh, look, that that is something that I, I, I think K-State, especially you know, versus TCU, uh, really struggled at, is trying to get to the free throw line. Have to get there. Have to get there. Who's going to be the third scorer? I, I mean, I, I think maybe this is going to be a Desi Sills game. Maybe it's going to be a Cam Carter game. Um, maybe it's Egiola. I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to be Tomlin, but we're going to need him to get rebounds. And we're going to need him to play good defense and stay out of foul trouble. Um, again, KU doesn't have an Eddie Lampkin, they don't even have like a McCormick or anything like that that I think is going to truly eat you up inside. Um, But you can't give them a bunch of freebies. Uh, KJ Adams for them has really come come along. He's six foot seven. Uh, Jalen Wilson, six foot eight. Grady Dick, he's six foot eight. Uh, Dejuan Harris, six one. McCuller, he's six foot six. So they have plenty of length, but they don't have this big girthy dude down low. So I do think it can be a game where Egiola, if he plays within himself, can be effective. You know, I, I, I think the matchups, at least, you know, guarding wise in the top in the starting five are gonna be pretty obvious. You're gonna have Noel on Harris. You're gonna have Cam Carter, uh, I mean, Cam Carter's going to have to be on McCuller. You're going to have, I'm betting, Keontae Johnson on Grady Dick. You're going to have Tomlin on Wilson. And you're going to have Egiola on KJ Adams. Or maybe those will flip-flop. Maybe those will flip-flop. Actually, you know what? I say all this, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know who's going to guard who. But I do know that this isn't this matchup nightmare that TCU was. Yes, they are long, but ultimately, I'm hoping Marquis Snow and hell, you know what? If I'm if I'm Bill Self, I I don't know who I don't know who he'd consider the best on ball defender. But if he thinks that McCuller could could handle, you know, staying with him, or even Grady Dick. Grady Dick is not a great defender. We saw how frustrated. Marquise Noel got with having those long defenders on him. 
I don't know. There's going to be some junk defense. This is another one of these podcasts. I feel like I have more of these during basketball season than football season where a lot of this is just me talking out my feelings, my thoughts, my predictions. I don't know if these are as enjoyable to listen to, but it's going to be a massive game. The atmosphere is going to be the best it's been since that night where confetti fell and we won the Big 12 beating Oklahoma. Uh, If you have tickets, plan on trying to get there, you know, as close to... It's close to gates opening at five. This is not me taking shots. This is not me, you know, being critical of fans. This is me making an observation. Last Tuesday, there were still fans getting to their seats, you know, at the under eight media timeout in the first half. Um, I know how tough it is to get to Manhattan for a six o'clock tip off. Especially if you're in Kansas City, Wichita, I, I get it, 100%. But if you have the ability to, get there early, you know, try to prevent any bottlenecks. Because, again, for a game like this, for every home game from here on out, in this Big 12 uh, grinder, any advantage the fans can help give these boys on the court uh, is going to be massive. It's going to be massive. Um. You know, I, I I would not predict a win. Um, if, if, if I was putting money on it, um, I would not be putting money on K-State to win. That said, if you look at the uh, ESPN basketball power index, it doesn't have us winning, but it does have it as a 54, uh, 54-46 lean towards KU. I mean, that's a pretty close matchup. Uh, if you're going to believe the ESPN a- analytics, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, you, they usually are in Bramlage. Too many of them end in heartbreak for us. But you know what? It, it is a new era with Jerome Tang. And I hope it is an all time type atmosphere. I hope all the students, the students will be back. That's their first day of class. I hope any of these teachers with, you know, Two and three and four p.m. classes. I I hope they give them a, you know a little bit of a break if they don't show up on syllabus day. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Again, I'm not immune to it. This is the game that is instantly circled every single time the schedule is released. Um, you know, I, I th- this is the this is the game. This is the circle in which the season orbits around every single year. Do I want to get to a point where that isn't the case? Yes. Uh, But until we get there, I mean, it is what it is. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be nervous all week. Or, you know, I'm recording this Sunday night, 7.41 p.m. I'm going to be nervous from the moment I hit stop recording until we get there. Um, But regardless of the outcome of that game, and we'll talk about it Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Spotify Live for the weekly live show. Regardless of what happens, um, I think this team is going to be dancing. I think this team is going to be dangerous in March, whether it's in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament and uh, or, or in the NCAA tournament. Still a lot of work to be done beyond Tuesday, whether, whether we're sitting high or feeling low after that game. Absolutely everything is on the table, and this can still be a very special season. So 
Um, tweet at me. Tweet at Bosco's boys. Let me know. Uh, hey, this episode sucked. Oh, hey, it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Give me your thoughts on what happened versus TCU. Give me your predictions for the game on Tuesday versus KU. Um, that's all we have. Um, let's hope the NFL puts the Chiefs on a Saturday or on the Sunday, so K State doesn't have another uh, sporting event that's going to take away from folks who already bought tickets to be in Bramlage. Let's hope for an all-time type game on Tuesday. Um, and let's hope Iowa State starts losing. It's annoying how good they've looked. I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, so for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, for everyone who's going to be in Bramlage Coliseum, all 11,000 strong, uh, we love you guys. Go Cats. And I hope they play Sandstorm, damn it. I hope they play Sandstorm. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight, hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Podcast Network.